Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Contingency Plan Podcast. My name is Jedi Master David, and with me, as always, is Darth Austin. Hello, everyone. Hey, back again for two weeks in a row. It's a new record. It really is. This is just amazing. <laughs> well, hopefully everybody, uh, you know, was able to chill out and listen to a little uh, We're Back Again episode last week. Um, as we kind of march forward to do some cleanup on all the, uh, all the Star Wars content we've been missing out, uh, over the past month. I think I looked and it was like early February was our, our prior to last episode. So yeah, cleanup as if we're dealing with the rest of it and not just a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there, there is, um, yeah, there's a ton uh, not only are we looking at finishing up Andor today, the last two episodes, but we also need to, uh, you know, get into The Mandalorian, Bad Batch, um, other thing? I don't know. We'll see. Well, we probably do have a couple of books to deal with. Yeah, and I really haven't looked too much into that. I know we have... I have a couple um, that were, like, pre-ordered the Audible. Uh, I know the accompanying novel to the new... Uh, wh- what is it? The video game? What is it called again? Survivor? Jedi Survivor? Or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unless they've changed the name again. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But there is an accompanying book to that. Uh, and then, I mean, realistically, we just have to decide on if we really want to do any more high Republic or, you know, move on to bigger and better things. And, um, we do have, you know, as we kind of mentioned last week, we do have some plans, uh, for the podcast, for the future, um, you know, some change ups here and there still kind of working on a little bit of that, but the, the Darth has a new piece of equipment he's, he's playing with. Yes. Hopefully I fe- I sound much better. <laughs> I have upgraded into the world of, Tiny boxes that make me sound better. Well, technically, it wouldn't have mattered because you were sending me your file, but this is just a, a more easy way to not involve drop boxes. <laughs> yes, because, you know, that is just so difficult. No. Oh. No, this is much easier. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, we're going to probably migrate over into uh, StreamYard, which, which has a video component and uh, some nicer... Uh, local files and everything kind of does a little bit of everything. So we'll probably move on to that and then actually get some, some video up on YouTube. I mean, it's only took us like 10 years to do that. So yeah, yeah. We're not, you know, my, my, my camera is just so great on my laptop. I can't wait to show everyone my (laughs) blurry, blurry background. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, I bought, I bought the, you know, just the webcam I normally use, uh, I don't know. It hadn't been that long ago, but it was, you know, supposedly good. It's uh, what is it, a lot Logitech or whatever. Um, but even sometimes, and I, it might be lighting related. It might be a couple things related, but uh, you know, might might look at another one of those down the road. I, I mean, I guess if I really wanted to be professional, I could actually get my my camera camera and somehow hook it up. And but then I just have to do that, and I don't want to. Yeah, that'd be slightly too much research and uh, a couple too many cables that you don't have. 
Yeah. Well, you know when I when I bought that, and it's been a little while. It's it's the Canon M50, the, the mirrorless. Mm-hmm. And I was between that and one of the other um, uh, the other cameras. I can't remember what it was. The problem was is that one camera did one thing, and then the other camera did another thing, but neither camera did those things together. I do remember you were debating off on that for a solid month, I think. Yeah, and I did, and I went mirrorless, and, I, and I've been happy with that, but then here, here's the crappy part. A few months later, they come out with a version 2 of the M50, which included all the things that I wanted for yeah. about the same price. I was, I was kind of upset. I'm not going to lie. I was a little upset at that time, but I've learned to live with it. But basically, I, if I remember correctly, I don't think that thing um, in its little pop-out screen, if you are using it as kind of like a streaming device or like a webcam or whatever, it doesn't show up on the the pop-out screen like your picture, which is what I wanted, but the other camera did or something like that. I can't remember. And while that thing does shoot in 4K, it has the capability. It crops it down a little bit, um, yeah. whereas the other one I don't think has that crop. So, yeah, maybe down the road I'll upgrade, but, I mean, I don't really need to. I don't do near enough with it for that to really matter all that much to make it make the investment. But, you know, who, who knows? Maybe in the future. <laughs> well, if nothing else, if you upgrade, it would give you the excuse to do a few new activities. Yeah, like I have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) I barely have time for my normal activities. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you're recording at freaking 8 o'clock at night. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, I I mean, I I got... I normally get home, you know, about 5.30 if I'm in the office. If I'm not, you know, obviously I'm here because I work it from home two days a week. But yeah, get home from the office and then, you know, it's kind of like making dinner and then trying to get a workout in and everything. And uh, yeah, that t- that all takes up valuable time. You know, I almost feel like the hybrid role would be more annoying, kind of not looking forward to potentially finding a job hybrid. Well, I mean, it, it, it depends. It, it does. It depends because like it, it has its goods and its bads. I mean, Thursday, Friday, I work from home, which aren't too bad. And I can kind of like do the laundry and like get a few things done around the house, you know, while sort of working because I'm not necessarily tied down all the time to, to the computer. Whereas like, you know, there are obviously some folks out there who have to be tied down, you know, the entire day. So I don't necessarily have that exact problem, which is, is nice. It's a luxury for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I know I'm, I'm way more productive in office. I'll say that much. Well, you have a lot of distractions at the house. You want to be productive in multiple ways. And it's like, well, I could do this, this, and this while I'm doing that. Yep. I was bad with that with school. It's like, well, I can listen to this video while I'm folding laundry. <laughs> and, and now I'm not really paying attention to the video. Now I need to listen to it again because I'm not really right. doing effort in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Slippery slope. For sure. So anyway, how's week been? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. I finally... Got confirmation today that I have graduated. So oh, fun. Only two weeks after the actual graduation party, you know. Good times, good times. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is very true. Job hunting still mm. going on. I'm sure that'll take a little while. Google picked a great time to lay off 
a ridiculous amount of people. And I don't make light of that. That was terrible well, for a did, lot of people. Did you and also Amazon see too. that McDonald's is also laying off people too? You know, I think this is going to be probably a trend. I think we went from mass hiring to, oh, yeah, I, I don't need these people anymore. And I think people are kind of just fed up with the lazy workers as well. So a lot of places mm-hmm. are going to be doing this. Performance is going to matter. It, it it really will matter in in the long term for a lot of these businesses and, you know, the folks that, and, and I'm not judging, uh, but the folks that are taking quiet quitting a little bit too far, because there are people who do that. Like, Absolutely. I understand. I understand fully, you know, you, you go in, you do your job, you sign out, you're done. You don't do anything extra because what are they doing extra for you? I get that sure. attitude. I do, but I, I get that I, attitude, but you, at some rate, you better start bettering yourself and finding a, de- a different career path because yep. if you want to do that the rest of your life, and I don't know if that was my outlook on life with no prospects, just just shoot me now. <laughs> well, and the other thing too, because I manage at a reasonably high level in a, in a large company, um, the the problem with that is, is that those people tend to trend to the bottom. They're not in the middle like they think they are. They wind up trending towards the bottom, and that puts you in trouble. And I'm not saying that's universal, but a lot of people who engage in that they wind up, unfortunately, and unbeknownst over a period of time heading towards the bottom. And that means, you know, a lot of companies are, you know, they're, they're definitely looking to in quotations, maximize their workforces because we're, you know, we're in an, this isn't a political podcast or a, a sociological podcast or a current events podcast, but we are in a recession. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the analysts say. We are. I mean, you, people feel it. Uh, gas was back up around uh, here and, and in general to three seventy five. You know, same here. goods. Uh, you know, general goods are up across the board. You know, the the luxuries are starting to trend down again. Uh, interest rates yeah, are up. No the stock market's no down. One. No one can afford luxuries because you're spending all your money on groceries. <laughs> yeah, it's very you know? true. It's very true. And and you know, it's 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 tough. It's 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 getting to be a very tough time because we haven't really had good leadership for a, a long time. And you can't just blame it on the here and now because everything does build up and we really haven't mm-hmm. had great leadership for a long time. And, and that yeah. that spans both both ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, and I, I am fortunate, I think, to have friends in other states and I see how their states run certain things, uh, versus ours. And, you know, we're actually fairly taxed. We're, we're, we're pretty heavily taxed in the state of income tax and everything is pretty ridiculous. Well, it's not just that you have, you have your, uh, you know, sales taxes, which fluctuate Mm -hmm. a bit. Sometimes they're a little different depending on what city you're in. Then you have city city taxes, property taxes, state taxes, federal taxes. We're 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 pretty heavily taxed from top to bottom. Where, you know, you you go up to I think Michigan doesn't. It's maybe they don't have a sales tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Florida, Tennessee, and I want to say Texas, but I could be wrong. Don't have like a state tax or something like that. But there are also other trade-offs, uh, you know, in between those states as well. And I, I still think Ohio 
is a good place to live in. You know, uh, as soon as, you know, Intel kind of comes in, that will provide some interesting opportunities for people, although people are complaining because it'll drive up uh, property costs in that area. But the area that they're being in is already driven up. So Yeah. Well, I mean, my God, New Albany is exploding. Johnstown is exploding. They're uh, they're going to be crazy. Soon. Well, New, New Albany's are, are always been one of the highest yeah. price areas um, in the entirety of Columbus. Johns- now it has major industry in a very condensed area, and it's going to really uh, pick up because once everything goes on with Intel and whatnot, I think we're going to have a lot more uh, shipping industry, a lot of fulfillment centers, a lot of... Yeah. Uh, Bigger companies are going to show up there. I mean, we have a Amazon fulfillment center right well, next door to where I work. There's a lot of Amazon fulfillment centers in, in, in Ohio. Things, I don't know if you've ever several. passed one, but they are yeah. ridiculously large. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot of that here, and I mean, uh, historic flub by New York when they didn't, you know, take on. I don't remember. It wasn't a fulfillment. Maybe it was like corporate office. It was something that was supposed to go in in a certain part of New York, and they they drove it out and it's like, dude, and I think it went to like New Jersey or something like that. But regardless, like Amazon's a huge company. Um, obviously they've felt, you know, the sort of hit and everything like everywhere does, but they're, they still employ a lot of people. Although I'm sure I know personally that they have had some slowing as well, mm-hmm. but yeah, there, there's a lot, there's a lot out there and you do, you know, count your blessings that, that you stay fortunate and everything. But, you know, we're probably going to see a similar thing to what happened, you know, years ago where people will start to commute more from further mm-hmm. distances again, which hasn't been a trend. And that's largely been driven by gas prices and yeah. and, and the, the not quite as efficient cars, you know, in combination don't do that very well. Obviously, now we have more efficient cars. Uh, more efficient routes to and from these places. So, you know, I, I think that we'll start to see some some more spreading uh, of, of people. Mm-hmm. And judging by that, it'll actually be further east Ohio. Yeah. We'll start to see, yes. prob- if I had to guess, we'd see the next boom. Yeah, I mean, the little hometown that we grew up in is going to, I think it will finally thrive eventually with how much industry yeah. is coming around i mean it, it, it certainly won't might have a choice it probably won't have any industry of its own <laughs> but just housing for commute i mean yeah i'm i'm commuting around 45 minutes a day and you yeah. know i'm fortunate to have a fairly fuel efficient vehicle right now and uh I, i'm fortunate to place myself where i am because the recession hasn't really hit me that much yeah but i am definitely seeing the quiet quitters all around me i feel like everyone i work with and works under me is a quiet quitter and now that i've been kind of put into a role of management i see it a lot more it's yeah well i mean difficult to motivate a lot of people now right unfortunately companies have done that to themselves though um you know they haven't have they Um, haven't appreciated the working class as much and and there, there are repercussions to that there are repercussions for every it's cause and effect. There's always cause and effect. Mm-hmm. A pizza party doesn't make up for the fact that your wages are low, you yep. know, by industry, certain industry standards. So there, there's a lot obviously to consider, but, uh, we'll, we'll save that for when we, when we turn our podcast <laughs> into something different, huh? Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> that will be when we uh, we sit down and have a cigar and a glass of bourbon and complain about the entire world. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> or at least our country. <laughs> Look at those privileged guys just drinking, yeah. smoking, talking about crap. <laughs> yeah. All right. Driving their Cadillacs around town. <laughs> Does Cadillacs still make like, like cars? They don't. Well, yes, but they don't make the big cars from countries <laughs> that I was referring to. Uh, yeah. No, okay. No, not, yeah. That's not like that anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cadillac is is closer to like BMW and mm. Chrysler and everything now. It's yeah, I see. it's kind of weird. Okay. Well, anyway, we have uh, two episodes of Andor to talk about, so you want to jump into this? Yes, yes, I do. The All Sisters right. of Eric. Daughters. 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 Yeah, episode 11 and 12. I think they refer to themselves as sisters. Too, which I, I, th- I think so. But we do have Daughters of Ferrix and Rick's Road. Um, and I think we can kind of uh, sort of drive through this sort of in its entirety as opposed to starting and stopping because it all is all kind of one sequential story, I would say. Yeah, didn't you? Didn't you think it was odd we didn't just get a longer episode? Because I feel like this could have tied right into an hour and a half long episode and been fine. I I don't know. I think it. yeah, I think they were appropriately appropriately paced, but yeah, I mean, when I finished Daughters of Ferrix, I kind of thought that Rick's Road would be longer. And it really was, and it was pretty much on par. But these are longer episodes in comparison to, like, say, Mandalorian, which has had some thirty-minute episodes and stuff here and there. So th- this definitely goes on a, a little bit longer. Yep, clocking in around forty-five minutes, which is, to me, about perfect for an episode of anything. Correct. So thirty minutes kind of gets into that anime and yeah, you know, like Family Guy length that I just don't appreciate very much. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so when we pick back up, uh, Andor and then the other survivor of, uh, of the prison break, you know, wash up on land, you know, they get captured by these weird looking dudes <laughs> and yes, with their broken, their broken speech. Yeah. I broken what basic. The subtitles called. Yeah. Broken basic. <laughs> but they are, uh, actually, uh, helpful. They yeah. wind up, uh, allowing our our friends here to sort of, you know, escape, uh, definitely not necessarily, um, friends to the empire. And, you know, fr- from there we're starting, th- there's so much setup here and you know what the, what the sad part is? I really have to relook up names again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see here. here. So we have, uh, Oh shoot. Vel. So we have Vel going into our antique shop, speaking with the the helper, which I don't remember her name. Not understanding the code whatsoever, which is pretty yeah. pretty comical. Well, you know, she she's a lot more, you know, straightforward. She she carries just a lot of like anger, but there was a line here from our, our shopkeeper. Clay Marquis. Okay. Basically, you know, talking about, you know, seeing a lot of scared people knocking at the door and you know the fact is is that the rebellion is just as fragile as anything and when you have done the kind of things that that they've done already 
uh, because we even have effectively a setup of another rebel cell to be captured or, well, in this case, killed later on. Mm -hmm. Sacrificed. Yeah, sacrificed uh, to, to sort of point the empire in a different direction. You know, the things that these people have done, it would make you scared. And, and a few episodes back, we even saw the, you know, the spy within the empire wanting to run for it because they had a kid. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to think about, you know, being in constant peril and how big and powerful the empire is. But, you know, it also kind of, it kind of cements the fact that you do have to figure out ways to work together, even when you're scared. And I think that even when, when we have these two ladies speaking together, they're, they're at least sort of conversing in, in a fashion towards the end where they kind of under, I feel like they kind of understand a bit of where they're both coming from, but at the same time, there's still a, a heck of a lot of tension there. Well, it's an interesting time for the rebellion too. They're in such small cells that other than the 10 or so people you'd be fighting with, you really don't know anyone else. It's very faith-based in a way because you really day-to-day -day, don't know how many people got captured, who's left, who's really on your side. You're not in the trenches day-to-day -day with them like in you know the original trilogy. Right. And it also paints them in a very uh, different light. I mean, they're not the perfect heroes in this show. They have to do a lot of despicable things and 100%. i think uh i think uh oh goodness i'm drawing a blank on his name boris whitaker's character oh uh saul saul yeah. guerrero saul. Yeah. yes thank you uh saul puts it bluntly and perfectly when he's discussing it uh call it war yeah don't call and it I, sacrifice don't call it anything just call it war yeah i want to get to him a little bit more at length here but just just in for the sake of sort of the timeline, we do see uh Cinta still on our on our home planet here watching. Um we have Vel going to Mon Mothma. We see the kind of like weird culty ish Chandrillan tradition thing going on. So we know that or we assume that Mon Mothma at this point has effectively betrothed her daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. that we kind of talked about a few episodes back. And she starts talking about how she's basically on a razor's edge due to the her money problem. And, yeah, and I really appreciate how well this is acted out, regardless of our opinion of, you know, Mon Mothma. Uh, Genevieve really did a great job in this scene. I, I mean, I wholeheartedly She looks agree. like she's about to throw up the entire time. She is so... <laughs> Shit, yeah. so in the moment well the the overall. acting in the show has been great overall yes. uh, i mean i think i've said that before but it bears repeating but M mon mothma still to me is not a very sympathetic character i understand no. No. because she's sort of beset on all sides including her family a bit too and she's made mistakes being a little too cavalier uh, with her decisions in the past so when you feel the walls you know closing it around you uh you can go into attack mode you can go into sort of a uh, panic mode and she's kind of in panic mode she, she's not really ready to attack um 
which obviously, you know, she becomes when, when we start to have the full on rebellion going forward, but you know, still not the most sympathetic character you could, you could possibly have. No, certainly not. And then we get, uh, we get our old Sergeant from the first, first couple episodes popping back, trying to, uh, contact Cyril. I'll be honest, this this was the only weird part for me because it didn't feel like there was any sort of connection in this call. It's like it was definitely taped separately type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It didn't quite line yeah, up for me. Just the fact like he's in a he's in a smelting refinery. Right. And he fi- he finds out about Andor. It's like, but why? Yeah, exactly. Did you just want to bring him back? Because that's fine, but it didn't really make sense. For sure. Um, and man, at this point, are you just are you just at the point where you hope that Cyril just like tells his mom off? Little snide comments. Yeah, she. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll get more of him a little later. Um, again, creeping through. We have Andor going back to his old apartment and his box is still there on top of the shower with his credits mm-hmm. and his gun and and the um, the manifesto that he got from uh, from our one. Uh, oh, what was his name? Yeah, he was during the heist, the, the one mm-hmm. kid. And, uh, you know, then, then we finally get to what I find to be a very fun part of this episode where Luthen goes to meet with Saul. Yeah. And Saul's Probably actually... Probably my favorite part of the episode. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Saul's actually ready to take part in the original assault that Luthen mm-hmm. had proposed. And Luthen's basically telling him, it's like, nah, nah, we're yeah, going to sacrifice that guy. And we're starting to see the Saul Guerrero that we saw in Rogue One, which really wouldn't be terribly far off, technically. Um, mm-hmm. We see the paranoia. We see him paranoia. literally going in and out. And the interesting thing is Luthen clearly knows this about Saul, and he's trying to bring him back. Like some yeah, of the, the language is like, very interesting. <laughs> it, well, it is. And, and this is why I love this so much, because he's – you know, Saul instantly goes into paranoia and he's like, no, you have to think, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it takes some extreme measures, uh, including kind of falsely accusing one of Saul's guys of being his agent <laughs> and everything and taking a gun yeah. and, and all this stuff. But it, it, you know, Forrest Whitaker really is Saul Guerrero. Like for me, he yeah, is Saul Guerrero. Yeah. No one else could ever play him. And no, I just love the dynamic between Luther and him. Clearly they have a big history. It's not just a working history. They're friends. I mean, he's practically saying to him, come back to me. Yeah. Come back from the brink. I know you're in one of your, your panic moments, but I'm not, not trying to screw you over. I'm here to protect you essentially. I mean, he yep. saved his life in a way by telling him no. And one thing that I like, did you kind of catch in this conversation? Like, Saul's health is deteriorating. You kind of see that little epilogue into Rogue One. Yep. Um, he's starting to hunch over a little bit, wheezing a little bit more. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, it, it's just kind of cool. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you're right. He, he's, he's getting into more into the delusion. I don't think he's lost his leg yet, has he? <clears throat> I don't think so. Yeah. So there, there's 
there, there, there's a lot. There, there's a lot going on here. But I, I did like the way Luthen played this. You know, Saul's response, uh, I thought, was acted out as as good as you can possibly get. And then, you know, we kind of go <clears throat> from there to Saul, or excuse me, Luthen <clears throat> getting a message from his his uh, antique partner. <laughs> Yeah. hanging up on her and then he is um uh, in quotations ambushed by an imperial ship and this actually was all uh, a lot of fun yes it was every part of it was awesome it kind of uh reminded you of a little bit of poe interacting with hux yeah <laughs> and uh yeah the the this sequence was awesome. And Luthen is becoming, well, I guess I shouldn't say becoming at this point. The, the series is over, at least this major part of it. And I would say he became my favorite character. Definitely was a standout from the beginning, but yeah, I they, would say he's kind of gone above Andor for me. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they scripted him out very well, and he obviously has a lot, a lot of skills. And that's kind of the fun thing. Sometimes you can appreciate the the bumbling effect that you kind of saw with Han Solo. Mm -hmm. But also with Han, he didn't really have all the resources because, again, you're talking about, you know, the, the empires everywhere and his ship's about to fly apart at the seams, but Luthen has all the tech. He's got the strategy. He's got people on the inside. There, there's a lot more to him, and his little little ship is uh, is pretty darn pretty darn effective up against a uh, not quite a star destroyer. What what exactly? It, it's it's the tractor beam ship. <laughs> it, it would be like a. I don't know. I don't know what you would call this, and I don't feel like I've ever seen it before. I don't think so. <laughs> Huge fan of it personally, but. It, it it is interesting, but it has a lot of very obvious weaknesses. It's like I think Galen yeah. Urso was designing ships as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, like this scene is the the reason why the Star Destroyer became a thing, almost. Well, I mean, but when the, you when you think about it, though, it it goes back to the very beginning where the Empire is big and it's bloated, and it it's got so much confidence in itself that perhaps they're making such oblivious mistakes because they don't think anybody will stand up to them. Your deflector yeah. dish is literally right in front of your ship. And what does Luthen do? He deposits a ton of debris and just completely destroys it. And yeah. then he slices and, your and tie they're all in shock. They're all in shock, which that was an awesome sequence, by the way. Yeah. That ship is awesome. I love it. Yeah, well, it's you know, it's like a it's like a James Bond ship. It's like, don't yeah. ever press that button, 007. Next press the will button. Be the in, next will be the in space oil slick. Yeah, it's just. I don't understand how it works either, but it does. <laughs> Machine guns here and here, bulletproof glass in the rear, and this is the oil slick. <laughs> <laughs> but. Luthen's able to break free from the tractor beam. He does some more damage to the uh, to the ship here. Starts slicing and dicing Tie Fighters, and uh, also breaks out the kind of like uh, wing laser beam thing to cut a few yeah. up. 
is that was uh that was interesting. That's an interesting trick. Yeah. I'll take that over using hyperspace to ram something any day. <laughs> Whoa. How could you ever <laughs> diss the holdo maneuver? You son of a <laughs> I know. <laughs> Terrible person. But lasers are cool. Yeah. And hyperspace isn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Great visual though from Last Jedi. Um yeah. anyway, we start marching towards the end of this episode with uh Andor calling in to one of the folks on uh, what is what what is our planet's name? Is it Ferrix? I think it's Ferrix. Okay. You see how informed we are as Star Wars yeah, fans? Yeah, yeah. They're 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 natives to Ferrix. Andor was the one from the other planet. Right, but yeah, the, I mean, we're, so we're yes. talking, Ferrix. Um, yeah. But anyway, Andor does contact one of one of his uh, you know, old friends there, and he finds out that his mother uh, has passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Not in the best of health. Very, it, it, it was, you know, all the motivation for what we find in Rick's Road. Um, and we'll, we'll hold the total ratings for the end if you don't mind yeah yeah Is that of cool? course okay so then we start driving into episode 12 our by our the way finale. before we get yeah, there, go ahead just our our last five seconds with the other survivor i don't know why but i got this vibe where cassian was just gonna shoot him when he walked <laughs> away did you get that at all uh i i vaguely thought about it a little bit too but, uh, but yeah, no, no such luck like, there. No one can know that I escaped, so got to get rid of you. Yeah, I but, thought I, I thought I heard him say that his, uh, his leg was hurt. So uh, I, my arm, I like killing people. With I cut climb with them, yeah, my arm. arm. <laughs> um, so as we enter the episode, we do have uh, Miro, uh, going to Ferrix. We have, um. Bix in her sort of catatonic state a little bit here. And we, we saw a little bit of her in the last episode too, being interrogated about Luthen doesn't seem like she really gives anything up there, but then we start to see a lot of interesting inner workings on Ferrix here. We have sort of like an Imperial spy that, that Senta has been, you know, basically tracking for a while. Um, we have the the one the one dude who uh uh wasn't he the one earlier on that like owed money to cat or no he was owed money from Cassian but then like you know he brings the big guy along and and it kind of yeah. the facade drops at the end or something like that uh unfortunately that guy didn't survive too long which no. is too bad um but we we have even the the kid of the um the shop owner who was tortured and, and died in the prior episode mm-hmm. looking to be making what i assume is a bomb at the very beginning of the episode that's that's kind of what i'm thinking you know kind of looking at a hollow of his of his father and then we switch perspective to mon mothman her husband picking up her husband and accusing him of gambling and and they're uh they're going at it a bit yeah, I didn't care about this scene at all. Not one bit of it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's very obvious that when this the show was uh, written through, that they clearly anticipated a season two. 
Yes. Because this is a setup for later. This isn't a setup for now. Uh, the Empire could use this information to potentially either ruin Mon Mothma or something to that effect. And although, because I remember we, we were looking up the husband and we didn't really have much information on him, which probably means it wasn't really thought about until now. Right. We're right. But it doesn't seem like the husband is going to make it. No, you know, no, not at all. And I would even venture to say the daughter might not make it either at this rate. I feel like Um, she will. I still have high hopes because, you know, we had talked previously and I was like, what would be really cool if she was like secretly doing rebellion stuff? Mm, (laughs) You know, I don't uh, anticipate that, but I I feel like she'll have a, have a turn. Um, I, I think she's, you know, she's just confused. She's a kid, you know, she's Mm -hmm. confused and buying into the, 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 the Chandril and sort of cultural stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, We'll kind of see how that goes, but then again, we switch perspectives to Vel and Cinta meeting back up finally. Cinta being kind of you know just cold in a way. That's not Cinta all that fun. Cinta. Yeah, <laughs> and then we see a flashback, which I which I love with Clem Andor. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the, that was a really cool scene. I mean, They're just like cleaning some tech, and yep. you know, he's just giving him fatherly advice and. You know, it's the visuals of Clem, like the way that we refer to him in the show is pretty harsh because typically all we really see is him get gunned down and a couple shots of him hanging. Yep. And then people referencing, remembering him hang. So you really, really didn't get much from him, you know. But to see this, it's it's rough. You know, this show is dark. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's very very dark and now not only i mean we've known that clem has been gone for a while but now we know that andor has no family um yeah he's obviously referenced a sister but we don't know anything about her and we haven't talked about her really since the first couple of episodes so there's no telling we're gonna get anything unless they maybe give us a comic i don't really see season two I guarantee in season Maybe. two, if they have it, they'll they'll talk more about her. I, I would almost guarantee that. Um, and then we move on to Andor, you know, arriving planet side. Uh, you know, really Luthen terrible dog things. Yeah, Luthen landing <laughs> planet side. Andor, you know, listening to the uh, the manifesto a little bit more. And I and I did kind of like some of the dialogue here because it, it does talk about the fickleness of dictatorship, you know how the constant need for authority is actually more of a uh, fear, which is why historically, from our perspective, when we talk about dictators, you know Hitler, Stalin, you know whatever Mao, uh, uh, Mussolini, all these things. Mm-hmm we realize that they had so much fear of their detraction, their detractors that they wind up being nothing like really nothing that their, their power was in their influence, not in themselves and 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 the illusion they could create. Their fear causes them to make more enemies, which is ultimately what the rebellion wanted of the empire. Yeah. And it it succeeded. And I think, I think that's why, you know, it, it's it's a great tie-in because I think the human spirit can't 
can't tolerate dictation. No. I, and, and I don't think it matters where you're from. You know, if you're, if you're in whatever, Australia, the UK, the Emirates, Africa, the US, Canada, you, you can only handle so much as human beings. And I think we've had so many stories through our history where we've overcome great odds for the dream of ultimately freedom and liberty. And, you know, that that's not something that you should ever forget because ultimate authority no. doesn't help us in the end. No. And ultimately, most of our advancements in, you know, health, technology, philosophy, everything has come from overthrowing some type of dictatorship. It's mm. through the necessity to be free that we create, that we build, that we thrive. And it's really what we're meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I, uh, this isn't conspiracy, but I, I do want to make sure that we're, we don't travel into the realm of naivety because there have been a lot of advancements, unfortunately, that have come under dictation as well. Uh, i.e. a lot of, um, you know, the, the unfortunate brutality that, that came out of world war two, the experimentation and, and even, even before that all through time. So the, the humans are weird. We're, we're, we're a weird breed of people. We can come up with the ultimate evil, but we can also come up with the ultimate good. But, you know, so far good has triumphed over evil and at least historically. And I think it's an important theme to show here. And I think it's interesting that they had this bit of manifesto basically saying, you know, they're masking your fear and you have to be the one to fight it. You have to try. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a that's a very powerful message. Well, yeah, because I think that uh, the Empire has always been an embodiment of, you know, to some extent, the axis of evil right. and every other dictator that has been in modern uh, history. I think that's where George really drew a lot of his, well especially with Nazis, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he drew a lot from that. Uh, yeah. First Order is, it's blatant. Not even, yeah. and which is surprising, being that's Disney, that they would go that route. But yeah, one thing that I will actually commend Disney for, to have the balls to go there and really make an evil entity like that without it being a, you know, a princess story. Right. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, I don't necessarily think we need to talk about all the reunions of all the characters because I think that that's fairly evident. Although Cyril and the sergeant's cap swap was interesting. <laughs> but I think the thing that I, I sort of want to really highlight here is the best part of this entire series, if you don't mind skipping um, our funeral march. This was such an intricate, and, and I got to say, uh, let's see, who is the director of this particular one? Benjamin Karen. I don't know exactly how you would say his name. And he has directed a few different things. Three episodes of Andor, 11 episodes of The Crown. He did one episode of Sherlock. Which one? The Final Problem. Uh, 
Um, what else has he done? Hey, uh, stuff I don't necessarily know. A lot of television. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, since like 2005, I, I guess. But the the one thing that I, I, I would really highlight here is the way all this was done was such an intricate chess match where you're setting all of your pieces. It, it truly was uh, mm-hmm. a beautiful representation of, of filmmaking that I don't think we've had uh, in, in some time. It allowed the stew to stew. It allowed yeah. the tension to build, and it was slow and it was methodical and it was fantastic. You know, we had the warming up of the band. We had the banging of the anvil. We had the empire trying to set up their perimeters. We had, you know, Luthen and Val and Cinta and Andor and, and, you know, all of our friends on Ferrix and, and, um, and, uh, oh, uh, Miro and and mm-hmm. uh, Cyril and and all this stuff coming to this one last confrontation. It's a storm. It's just a a storm rising. Yeah, <laughs> and I it, it can't be understated ju- just how beautifully this played out for me. It was um it was a brilliant, really a brilliant piece of directing. I think, and you know the acting, the camera angles. Um, you know, the cinematography, I, I just, I felt was probably at its very best in this episode. Yes. And I would, uh, I would definitely say that there's been many directors of movies that wish they could have gotten this in their movie, <laughs> especially any right. war movie. Well, and, and this is obviously something you would see in a lot of World War II era movies. Yeah. Well, it's, it's difficult, too, to be able to capture everything and make it stick out. But I really felt like everything did. And they made it feel really, really big, too, uh, when they had, you know, the band, the different colors coming in from two sides of the street, sort of mm-hmm. making the V into the square. Um, the, the music sort of starting very slow, uh, not a lot of notes, but very somber kind of picks up a little bit the tempo picks up uh as we sort of bring forth the brick which apparently we found out everybody in ferrix is like boiled down and made into a brick which is interesting that's an interesting yeah. uh piece of lore there but we flashed everyone you know andor's going to the hotel to save bix you know our big friend has the brick our our droids there you know kid with the bombs there right he is uh, very, <laughs> very distraught. I mean, yeah. you can see it in his eyes how sunken they are. Exactly. You know, we have the the one uh, the one guy uh, who is attempting to rat out Andor, and like mm-hmm. the you know he's like arrest me, and that whole thing was done really well from our uh, our kind of undercover guy. And we have Miro trying to go after Andor. We're not finding him. We have Cyril saying, "Oh, there's my lady." My my lady's here, Sergeant. Yeah, we'll get into that more. Yeah, and <laughs> and you know there there's so many moving pieces, all to the beat of the drum and and the this band music and everything, 
And then we finally uh, sort of semi-climax have the crescendo with the speech from um, Andor's mother, which was yeah, not was short. Awesome. No. And it was awesome. It, every it, bit of it. It w- it really was. I mean, every it was like such a slow build talking about, you know, being of this planet and ra- raising each other up in death and, you know, even talking about the, the surrealness of, of even recording this message. Mm-hmm. Like uh, w- there was one line, it's like, like, I can almost see you. Yeah. And then crescendoing into, you know, you've been asleep. The, the monsters are at the door. You have to fight, fight these Imperial bastards and everything. Yes. And then, you know, the empire finally feeling that, because they they thought they had a trap, they thought they yeah. had the perfect trap, but they in, were in reality they were trapped in there. Yeah, they were ironically enough. And then we have the the ultimate sort of climax of all this ending in, you know, an all out fight in the street. You know, we we have the the you know our our people of Ferrix clashing with the with the Imperials with their, you know, riot shields and, you know, they're getting beaten back, but they're kind of, they're pushing forward, pushing forward. Uh, and then our bomb kid just lights off. Holy hell there. Yeah. Turns the tide. (laughs) Not only does he, he throw his bomb, but then you have all these grenades, the Imperial grenades go off. They roll out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just almost have, it was. You ha- almost have this like silence, and then yeah. it's it. The fight's on, the 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 fight's totally on at at this point. Um, so we have fighting in the street. Andor finally gets to Bix, and uh, she's obviously you know still very, very messed up here. But yeah, you know, broken she, right now, right. And she does wind up going with Andor, and Andor Andor is able to escape. The Imperials start to open fire on the crowd. Um, they're definitely killing off more than I think they lost, but you know you still see the people fighting back. And the Anvil and guy gets his kill in. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he he kicks uh, kicks a stormtrooper off the tower. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, does a Spartan kick, and the guy that sent him up there gets to see it. It's like, That's right. Oh, no. This this is Ferrix. Um, oh, yeah, I, I did forget our droid got tipped over by our one Imperial. <laughs> I think he was a captain. Yeah, he goes to throw a coat over the projection and misses. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's like, oh, sod it, I'll just kick it over. Yeah, he, he did not he did not get that get that down right. Um, but a lot of our a lot of our, you know, friends that we've met along the way are able to escape. Uh, you know, and then we, we did kind of miss that Andor did see Luthen from his hiding spot. And then we get kind of a scary scene for Miro, who is attempting yeah. to fight, but then is overwhelmed. And then eventually she is rescued by Cyril. And they have yep. a weird, weird thing going on. 
She is uh, clearly not trained for the field. <laughs> she has yeah. a full breakdown in this room. Well, she she's an intelligence asset. She she's not. I mean, I'm sure she's had combat. Ex, you know, something training. I would say. I don't know about experience as much, but in the trenches, this is where a lot of the you know the officers are are kind of going to have their their problems. But you know, we talked about sort of this weird tension between Cyril and and Miro. You know, kind of culminating here. It's like, are you gonna kiss? Or are you yeah. going to, like, kill each other or something? Both. Both. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a very interesting scene. Could potentially set up some other stuff there. Um, Cinta does take out the, the Imperial spy guy by yes, stabbing very, Nick Stabberson. Very easily. Very easily. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Vel's like... You're bleeding. It's not no. my blood. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually we get sort of the escape of, of several of our, of our friends here. And uh, our, our, our junkyard guy stays behind for some reason. Uh, and Andor brings, uh, brings Bix in and, you know, they all kind of have this moment where he's obviously not leaving this way either, but, you know, they're all, what, like four of them plus a droid or a, yeah. yeah, Andor will find us. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Well, we'll see how that all rolls out. Um, and then we kind of have a flash to Coruscant where uh, Mon Mothma's effectively giving her daughter away for this, you know, sort of Chandrill and whatever marriage ceremony to our unscrupulous, what what was he, like an arms dealer or something like that? Yeah. Uh, yep. we, we get to see the sergeant. Sure, that's just, a quality kid he, that he's raised. You know, oh, you know, uh, who, great, yeah, great it'll be, combo. it'll be, it'll be flipping <laughs> so cool, bro. Uh, <laughs> we get the sergeant drinking the way, in the street, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. And by the way, Disney loves their little speeder bikes, don't they? Like they way do. more than Lucas. They do. I can't blame them. They are pretty cool. They are pretty cool. I still um, think Ray had the best one. <laughs> oh, the the one on uh on uh, uh dang, I'm forgetting the planet. Uh, In Force Awakens, that one? Yeah. 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 Jakku. Jakku, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah, that was a pretty that was a pretty dope speeder too. So then we hit our the end of our episode, Andor and Luthen staring each other down, which I automatically it's like, yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah. And Andor and it can was awesome. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it it was it was you know, again, you still have that tension, but in this instance, you know, Andor's like, You came here to kill me. You haven't made it easy. Well, here I'm. I'm going to make it easy, and basically he gives Luthen a choice: it's either kill me or take me in. And by the way, no matter how much I love Luthen, I do have to call out this one thing about him that's funny. He always looks like he just burped, and he's just trying to get his breath. Oh, God. <laughs> Mouth's always open, like. <clears throat> I mean, he's not a youngin. 
Gonna throw up. <laughs> Had too much to drink. Well, one thing I did like, you know, when he was sort of in the square there, he, he does kind of crack a little bit of a smile when he mm-hmm. when he hears the speech and everything. It's kind of the realization that it's not just him out there. There's a lot of people who have had enough. And at this point, you know, he he's ready to take Andor in. And that's where we cut. That's that's the end of the first season of, of Andor. Yeah. And it's been a ride. It has certainly been a ride. Absolutely. Perfect length per episode and the actual season. Yep. It's not bloated. And it was solid three-story arc, and it was great. Yep. 100%. So we'll, we'll talk more, you know, in the future about, like, kind of a retrospective of the season. But we do obviously have these two episodes to kind of do, do our grading out of 10. Um, I will say though, just as we kind of get here, if I can back up a little bit, uh, IMDB, our, our old friend has daughters of Ferrix at an 8.4 with just over 9,000 votes and Rick's wrote it a 9.1 with a little over 11,000 votes. One way out is still the highest rated with a 9.5. Okay. With 15,000 votes on that one. So, well, you want to, you want to go, you want to go first and rate the, rate the episodes individually and why? Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, I can tell you right now it's gonna be a little higher than that. Uh, I might be being, too, I might be a little too generous here, but I don't care. Daughters of, uh, Ferrix. Just a constipated episode. Very tense. <laughs> Like there, there's a lot of stress going on here, and um, some of the dialogue we get in this episode, I feel like, is probably some of the best of the entire series so far. Um, one of the few times I actually care about an interaction with Mon Mothma because it's just so well acted. Luthen is amazing in this. Uh, Saul is even better, and it's it's a lot of setup that. <clears throat> explodes in the next episode. It keeps you guessing what's going to happen next. And while it's just a setup episode, and technically not a lot happens, I still really appreciate it. And uh, Rick's Road wouldn't have been nearly as good without it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna give this a nine. Okay. So I'm gonna go very high with it. And uh, Rick's Road uh, tops it in every way, <laughs> except for our conversation with Saul. Um, it is a masterpiece of TV, I think, personally. Um, our scenery is amazing in the funeral. We have some really good lines with Luthen. We have, um, a lot of, not character growth, but interaction that I really appreciate. We have the kid making the bomb. We have our guy trying to uh, rat out Andor. We have all his friends fighting for survival. We get to see the last last wishes of uh, of Marva be fulfilled. And her speech is amazing. Uh, seeing Bix go through what she's gone through and now trying to cope, it's, it's difficult to see. And it's really emotional. Everything about this episode is just 
it is one of the best things that I think Star Wars has done, mm-hmm. personally. This episode is just awesome. And I'm going to give it a 9.3. Okay. Okay, good deal. So a 9 and a 9.3, huh? Mm-hmm. Recorded for all time, but not by us. Yeah. All right. So Daughters of Ferrix was, was a fantastic setup episode. Um probably the stuff with Saul and Luthen were was some of the best um but yeah it it was it was definitely it was a lot it was a lot of build up i i would say and i suppose in a way you're you're right i i think i have to agree that with this it does make our next episode very impactful And, and I've said this on a few things, and and I think I might I might have rated this episode a little lower had I not seen both in sequence, or I would have had to have revised it uh, because setup episodes are notoriously hard for me because I have to wait for the payoff. I have to know that the payoff is there, and knowing that there's such a payoff, I think it does sort of sway the score just a bit. But this is a check-in with all characters and kind of get them to the end point. Um, you know, we, we have Vel. We we have our stuff with Mon Mothma. We have Cyril getting a call from his old buddy who's weirdly loyal to him for some reason. Um, but I, I obviously we talked a lot about Luthen's escape, which which you know pops it up because you're, you know, you're seeing some cool space stuff. But it's also tension because everybody's after Luthen and, you know, it's possible that they could have just got him here. And then the big wallop where, you know, Cassian uh, finally gets that his mother ha- has died and him and the his friend from the prison sort of, you know, parting ways. So I, I would say I, I don't want to, like, overrate this episode it was really, it was really good. But if, if I, if I were unaware of what happened later, I probably would have rated this at an 8.5. Um, okay. I'm going to tap it up a little bit more. And this is just the, the glory of knowing what comes next. And I'm going to say an 8.8 for that one. Now Rick's road, however, is a completely different animal. Um, we have story building for a second season with Mon Mothma and her husband's continued tension, the giving away of her daughter, the, uh, you know, kind of the flashback with Clem was really nice to see, uh, to keep Andor sort of connected to his family and why this planet means something to him specifically, you know, we have our, you know, our Imperials uh, praising themselves uh, for wiping out uh, one of the rebel cells that was sent there to be sacrificed. And they're, they're celebrating something that means nothing to the rebels. And then we have everybody coming together on the planet for, again, which I said is probably one of the best Star Wars scenes uh, that we've had in any series with this 
this funeral march and the, the changing in the music and the tempo and, you know, the, the impactfulness for this planet, you know, uh, Andor's mother's speech, uh, through the hologram and then you know, just all the, all the fighting and, and so forth. And, you know, this planet finally erupting, which is something that, you know, uh, is, is something we know happened with a lot of planets over the course of the rebellion. Cause they just had enough. Um, and then even our Imperials, we're, we're starting to see them go even against each other too. And maybe against their better judgment when, when our one captain tried to cover up the droid and the message and it didn't work, you know, kid throws the bomb and it's, it's just, everything explodes. Um, Imperials are dying. Citizens are dying. Spartan kicking people out of a bell tower. <laughs> and then we get the escape of, of some of our, of our Ferrix friends here, which is good to see. And obviously the ultimate payoff that we now see Andor going into sort of the employ of the rebellion through Luthen, <clears throat> which is curious that we don't see Luthen anywhere else. Um, obviously we kind of made up the character for this, I would assume. So hindsight, hindsight, but, does Luthen eventually get captured? Maybe it, it kind of makes you worry a bit about where he's going to go in this series. Will he be betrayed? What, what'll happen? Will and or be forced to kill him for some reason? Um, it, it's all, it's all a bit of a, a cluster, but probably one of the best episodes of star Wars period, uh, it, it TV, uh, TV. Mm-hmm. I, I won't, I won't put it up against movies necessarily. But it just everything about it was was so spot on. It, I was extremely happy to watch it. And it I'll tell you what else. It makes me want to watch the entire series again. Like it gives such a watchability, a rewatchability factor to this show yes. that it, it would almost be criminal not to continue and do a se- at least a season two for me. Yeah. And it also makes you want to rewatch it so you can then watch Rogue One again. Yeah. And appreciate every little detail of Andor that much more. And I think that that was a big gripe with Rogue One was who who is Andor? We, you know, I felt I got time with all the characters in their own way. But this gives us, at least give, it gave me a, a complete appreciation of Andor and his come up story. And I, and I like, he was kind of from the beginning, just ready to, ready to get it on, man. He, he killed those two Imperials in like the first episode with no real hesitation. And sometimes you got to have a little bit of that Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme sort of 1990s action hero in you. But, um, just for this episode, I'm going to go high. I, I, uh, for me, there's nothing I would change. There's nothing I would add. I'm just going to throw it out at 10 because it was really, yeah. I mean, it was just that good. Yeah. It was just that good for me. So highest rated I can do. I I could go under, but there's really no point because there's nothing that I would change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Cool. Definitely. You know, the one interesting thing about all media pertaining to rogue one, whether it be this TV show or the book, and I, I know I just said it, but again, reading Catalyst, watching this show, God, it makes me enjoy Rogue One even more, and it makes me want to watch it again. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it is, it's a mastercraft of storytelling. It really is. 
Yeah, it is. They uh, they just yeah they they really did. Um, they really just did a fantastic job of, of fleshing out the entire story of of Rogue One, and I I think that if you look at this honestly, uh, it makes Rogue One the pay the final payoff for any of these characters. Um, just so much better. Yeah, it just yeah. makes it makes it like almost the the creme de la creme of yeah. of Star Wars crazy. The enough. ultimate redemption story in a way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, man, uh, that kind of is bringing us to the end. So, is there anything else we need to sort of chat about before we sort of start to sign off? You know, I think the only thing uh, we'll throw out there is obviously the next step will be Mandalorian. I know we're extremely behind with that. I know you've been watching it. I haven't even started it yet. Um, Looking forward to it. Man, it's been hard. I've been wanting to wait until the week of recording to actually watch it. I probably won't make it. I'll probably watch it this week. But I've been very excited to get back into it. Yeah. 100%, man. 100%. So... I think we are running towards the end and yeah, yeah, nothing else. So if you all in listener land would like to interact with the podcast, uh, you know, maybe suggest some, some questions or, or submit some thoughts on the end of Andor or, or what you've been feeling about Mandalorian, make sure to hit us up at TC plan podcast, Facebook, Twitter, or you can just send us a good old fashioned email to TC plan podcast at gmail.com. Be happy to, you know, interact with you in those ways. Um, but that is it for this week. So y'all have a good one. As always, may the force be with you. <laughs>